Merry Christmas Eve, beautiful people. Happy December 24th. It's uh, Thursday. It seems to be an active day for some people, more active than I would have expected. It's kind of like a half a business day, at least the stuff I've been doing. And I apologize for being later than normal. I've been trying to take care of last minute stuff. So here goes our reading. And our quote comes from George Herbert. He loseth loseth nothing that loseth not God. When we let God's will guide our lives, we gain a profound ally in recovery. I realize that statements like I have to, I should, or you must are a setup for anger, resentment, or disappointment. Although the shoulds in our lives have made us unhappy, true belief in God doesn't happen overnight. We have all heard someone say, I go to meetings and read the steps, but God still doesn't do what I want. We want to turn over our will, but not if it means turning over our lives, not if it means we can't determine the outcome, as if we ever could. In time, however, we learn in our bones that we can't enter belief until we remove the guard from the gate, until we relinquish control. Then God takes over, and then our trust frees us from the need to control. Trust opens our hearts to a new, to new feelings of love and gives us peace of mind. Today, help me turn it over. Help me let go and let God. (laughs) This was actually a topic of my conversation with my counselor a little while ago. I went to group last night at the center. Well, you know, virtually at the center. And it was a pretty deep diving group. It was more about the things that you and I talk about compared to the things they normally talk about. So what do I mean? Because there's such an influx of new people, and by new people, I mean new to the program or people that have recently placed a bet, you know, they might still be in their first year. There's generally a lot of topics about surviving, you know, the first day, the first 30 days, the first whatever, whatever it is to get through to get to that you know, to get to that year mark or to get some time under your belt before digging into the deeper stuff. Like there's, I guess it was pretty awakening to me that there's two different, almost like two different chapters maybe. I don't, I don't know the right terminology, but there's early recovery and then there's the rest of recovery if I was to segment it that way. And the center really is geared towards early recovery. But last night we kind of got on a a little different topic because relapse was part of the conversation. And as you know, I feel that we could avoid relapse by doing the deep digging and, and moving forward in our lives and, and trying to heal the stuff that caused us to have to numb or cope or do whatever in the first place. Now, this is not an overnight process, and it's definitely not one of the things that I could even see being possible in the first year, at least on a regular basis. Maybe some people can do it. But as you hear from me, knowing that my development continues, I mean, right now I'm at a little over three and a half years. Does that mean that my recovery and how I feel about it and my actions and my mindset are going to be the same as 10 years. 
No, I don't think so. I don't even think they're going to be the same tomorrow on some level. So anyway, we don't talk really about what happens when you do get some time and you start, if you're still doing the work on recovery, you start to find some of this stuff that's buried on a subconscious level. Or you could, I guess. I guess that's the better better way to say it. And you can start addressing some of the, the damage. We talk about it here as the bucket. And it was interesting because I can't remember the term the counselor used last night, but essentially he talked about this this surface level and I talked to you about it as the last three inches in the bucket that dig deeping because we don't necessarily know what's bothering us or, or that we're running from or whatever on a, on a on a conscious level. We just don't even know. And he was talking about addiction starting in our childhood. It was it was just a really interesting conversation. So I was talking a little about it with my counselor this morning and I told her I got a little vivacious in the meeting to say the least because I was pretty passionate about the topic of relapse. And do I believe that it's part of some people's journeys and almost necessary? Yes. Do I believe that it could be avoided if the work is done and we're proactive before the re- you know before intimate danger? Yes. And I guess that's where I get kind of hung up. I I understand that people are going to relapse. And I am not I don't I don't want to say, I don't judge when people relapse because I know it's kind of part of the process. Like I relapsed for well over a year and it was part of the journey and it brought me here, as you know. What I struggle with is people that relapse and then come, like show up going, well, I don't, you know, like befuddled about why they relapsed or they're only talking the talk and not walking the walk. You know, they show up for meetings, they do stuff, but they're not doing the deep work or the work outside of showing up for a group or just regurgitating GA slogans in literature. It's not about saying that stuff or knowing it by heart or, or whatever. It's about actually living it and doing it. And one of the the examples I used was my whole spirituality stuff. 12 steps said to, you know, to investigate that and meditate, be spiritual. So that's what I did. That's doing the work. That's how I interpret it anyway. So this was a hot topic for me last night. And you, and you saw how vocal I was the other day when I found out that um, a frequent flyer relapsed. And to me, as an outsider looking in, it's so evident. Like I knew that that was going to happen. But to him, he doesn't know because he's not self-aware, which is part of the process, right? So you can't just go through the motions is what I'm saying. And that's the part that frustrates me. And I honestly, I wish that everybody that is struggling would eventually have that aha moment of what I call getting to the other side where you understand that everything's happened and you heal and you cry and you talk about and you you release all that stuff that kind of causes you to gamble in the first place. And that's where I, I struggle a little. So here I am telling you that GA was impactful to me doing the work and, and 
moving forward in my healing. But then I also struggle with in the GA literature, it says is knowing why we gambled important. And it basically says, no, it doesn't matter why you gambled. It matters that you recover. I'm not saying it verbatim. And that's one of my struggles because now my fundamental belief is we gamble because we cope and we have to address the things we're coping from, which then means we have to dig to, to sort out that stuff and heal. And it's not an overnight process and it's not an obvious process, but it comes from using all the tools that are out there. And the tools are different for everyone. It could be this, the center meetings or it could be doing daily reading. It could be listening to my show. It could be praying every day, going to church, doing whatever it is that works for you in your recovery so that you could do that soul searching. And I hope you hear me on this. I'm not calling anybody out there broken per se, but there's something. And a lot of it is misconstrued. The more information that I find, so many things have been have happened to us throughout our life And it's not even necessarily about the things sometimes. Sometimes it's about the perception of the things and then the stories that we tell ourselves in our head. And I'm learning that through the Miracle Challenge more. He had had given us an example of his perception. He He got left home alone. And as a child, or at least that's how he remembers it, and thought his family didn't love him and that he was the black sheep. Well, and I'm abbreviating the story, but essentially what it really was, was that when he went out to the kind of event they, they were going to, he gets, he would get, a, he would get lost. He had ADHD and he would get lost in the crowds and it was really stressful for everyone, including himself. And he, he believes there was, you know, a babysitter. He wasn't like left home abandoned, but that was the story he told himself. My family doesn't love me. They left me home. They don't care. They don't, you know, want me in public with them, whatever. And he carried that with them for years and years and years until he did his soul searching and had his aha moment. So it's it's different for everyone. But but I do believe that we all have those crazy stories that we tell ourselves that we're actually shortchanging ourselves. Okay, so all that aside... That's kind of what had led us up to this conversation with my counselor. And she had said to me, it was really funny. And she says things in such a kind way. And she gets you to think. And she's definitely, I don't want to say she's not direct because she's direct. But what she compared me to was hilarious, in my opinion. So she's like, you get frustrated by this. And well, I don't even think that was the word she used. She goes, but you have this compassion and you want everyone to get to the other side, as I call it, to have this healing and awakening and stuff. And you wonder, you know, like, why aren't people doing that? Because it seems, it doesn't seem easy. It seems obvious to me now. And she compared it to, she goes, well, the creator couldn't get everybody to follow what he believed in, even though he knew that it was best for them. And she goes, so when organized religion or whatever the term was, she goes, well, maybe when they figure it out, maybe that'll help you figure out <laughs> how to get people to to buy into these ideas and stuff. It was a really polite way of saying and reminding me kindly, like, let it go. I can't, I can't change everybody's minds. I can't do the work for them. I can't give them the views. I can't do all the things. And that's part of me having to relinquish my control 
And I'm using all this as an example of validating the reason, the reading that you, if you are trying to always drive the bus, if you've been driving the bus, and by that I mean, you know, trying to run your own life and do things on your terms in the way you want, chances are if you're, if you are struggling with a gambling disorder or you're gambling more than you should and your life has become unmanageable, chances are the way you drive the bus is not the right way. So let's take the reading to heart and go, okay, well, if my way is not working, what can I do? And that is, you know, the surrender and finding the the surrender and relinquishing control can be one of the biggest ways to get your life back in control. It sounds so counterintuitive, but it's truly it's truly what will happen because if you keep trying to dictate, it it goes back to those cycles that we talk about. If you try to dictate how your life's going to be or the results you want or the expectations you have, and then it doesn't go your way, it's then a cycle and an excuse to go back out to gamble. And then you gamble and then you go back to the cycle. It's just, it's just insanity. So the reading reminds us today to, to, to let it go, to not feel like we're in control all the time and not try to be in control all the time. So I enjoy that. And I love how the last like 24 hours of communication has kind of led me to to that point and and being able to tie it into this reading that I had no idea what I was going to say. So so that's the thought for today. I um, hope that every single one of you has a great day, whether you're celebrating Christmas or not. I know I've been talking a lot about Christmas and again, probably... 80% 80% of my listeners are here in the, the U.S. And, and practice Christmas and a lot of other countries that do as well and, and stuff. So it's not, it's not me trying to preach any one religion or celebration. It just happens to be the one that I participate in. So I hope that everyone has a great, great day, time, visit, whether it's virtual or in person. I hope everybody just makes the best of the day. Again, celebrating or not, know that I'll be thinking of you guys and I hope that for those of you, well, everybody, Santa comes to everybody's house, right? <laughs> those of you that uh, are, are getting some, some time, please enjoy it. Please try to be present. Those of you that may be alone or don't have resources, at your very fingertips or in your home, make sure you're reaching out, jump on a Zoom call, get to a GA meeting online, go in a Facebook group, do something, reach out, call a friend, all those coping things that we talk about all year. Make sure that you're tapping into those. Don't give yourself, don't give yourself nonsense voices in your head to that lure you back to the bat or the thing. Okay, beautiful people. That's my that's my spiel for today. I will uh, probably talk to you from Aruba when I get there because I have not gotten all the days done, so I might have to do a little recording from down there. So I will apologize in advance if audio quality is not perfect. I'm not lugging my microphone and all that fun stuff down there. Okay, that's all I got. I love you. Have the greatest of days. Thanks.